Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. And um, I'm going to jump into the second part of this new series that we started that's called Where Do We Go From Here? Where do we go from here? So join with me in your Bibles. I'm going to go to the book of John, chapter 21. And I'm going to read a few verses there. Not too many verses. But I got a few verses to read there in the book of John, chapter 21, verse 1. And it begins as follows. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, here's another person, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So Jesus called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. So he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, this is like the second time this has happened. Once this happened when uh, before Jesus was his resurrected self. And uh, this is the second time he's doing the same miracle to them. So then the disciple whom Jesus loved... This is, this is just kind of weird, all right? Let me just insert this here. Because this is John talking about himself in the third person. John was like that baseball player, Ricky Henderson. If you're under 30, you have no idea who I'm talking about. And just have grace for us old folks in the room. But everyone 30 and up, y'all remember Ricky Henderson, right? You guys remember Ricky Henderson always spoke in the third person? They'd be interviewing him like, hey, Ricky, how was your game today? Ricky had a good game today. It's just the weirdest thing. But like, like John does that in the text because he's saying the disciple whom Jesus loves said to Peter. He's talking about himself. Like he has no shortage of self-confidence. He doesn't just say John. He even says the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like, like that's how he postured himself. Anyway, he says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water he goes on to swim to where jesus is so for the next few moments i want to talk to you on this thought that i've called let's run it back let's run it back let me pray over y'all and let's dive into what god has for us today father in the name of jesus we thank you for all that you are doing here today i thank you for what you've already done Father, we're already seeing healing happening here today. We believe, Lord God, that faith has been built up. We believe, Lord God, that we are walking with new hope and new courage, God, because you've met us here in such a power way, powerful way in our worship. Now, God, as I get ready to speak, I just pray that as I speak to this large audience, you would speak individually, that you would give a unique and individual word to every single person here today. You know what they need. You know how they need to hear it. I pray that it's accomplished here today. In Jesus' Jesus name we pray amen clap your hands one last time lighthouse you may be seated let's talk about let's running it back confidence is a powerful thing isn't it confidence like like how many of you ever walked into a room with a lot of confidence how many of you ever walked into a room with a lot of confidence and then someone told you like yo you got something in your teeth and that confidence was like it's like dude you like just shrunk in that moment 
Um, confidence is a great thing. I want to tell you about this one time where I lost some of my confidence. So I played a lot of baseball from the ages of 5 to 12. And my dad put me in baseball, and I just played what dad wanted me to play. And um, I was okay, you know, nothing special. But my last year of, of baseball, or what, I, what ended up being my last year of baseball, I was 11 years old, going to be 12 years old. And I started training with my neighbor who was, like, good. Like, like he was real, real good. And um, I started training with my neighbor, uh, one of my closest friends. I started training with him and his dad. His dad pushed him a lot. And that year, your boy made the all-star team. Yeah, uh-oh, somebody, come on. So that year was just a great season. Everything just like came together. Like I, I, I was, they moved me to a position. I was like, oh, I like this position. My bat started going. So it was a great year. I finally was, was decent enough, and, and I made the All-Star team, played in the All-Stars. It was just great, right? And, and I got so much confidence heading into my next year because I went and I trained with my friend again, and I was like, oh, it's going to be my year. We're, we're leveling up now, baby. We're All-Stars. We're not just baseball players. We're All-Stars, you know? I'm walking around thinking I'm the second coming of Mike Trout, you know what I mean? Just like thinking I'm bad. And um, anyway, um, a week before tryouts, you had to go ahead and try out, and they put you onto a team. I was, on, I was in a quad accident with my cousin. My cousin was driving, and um, he was just driving a little reckless. We were having all kinds of fun, and we rolled that quad. And so I ended up breaking my left wrist, and my, my cousin broke his ankle, and so I couldn't even go out for tryouts. I mean, I couldn't put the glove on my hand because had the whole cast thing going on here. And so uh, my dad told me, hey, we can't do tryouts. Said, no problem, we got another one. He's like, no, we're, we're not going to be ready for that one too. You know, He'll be ready to go by the season, but I mean, he's got a broken wrist. And so I'll never forget that um, I was so confident heading into the year, and then my dad got a phone call from the league. And the league told my dad, you know, because your son couldn't try out, we're going to hold him back in the same division one more time. And I remember just feeling just so busted. I'm like, there's no way. And my dad, he went to bat for me. He's like, well, wait a second. He, he, he made all-stars. Don't you think he should progress to the next level? Sorry if he doesn't try out. He, he, he can't. You know, he just can't. He's going to have to do that same division all over again. Family, I just quit baseball at that moment. <laughs> That's where my confidence went. It was so bad. I like, I never played baseball again. I'm like, I'm done with this sport. They won't let me play. So that that's what I want to talk to you about today is like, like confidence and what do you do if you ever lose confidence or what do you do if when you've received Christ you felt like you've never quite gotten your confidence because I see that here in the text. So when we dive into our text here in John chapter 21, we read that um, Jesus has an encounter with his disciples again. Somebody say again. So here's what we've been doing through this series. We're looking at the days that Jesus walked on this earth after his resurrection. So he resurrects on a Sunday morning and he just chills for like 40 days. He's like showing up, disappearing, showing up, disappearing. He's walking through walls. He's just doing like Jesus things. You know what I'm saying? Just, just like just Jesus things. And, uh, and so um, this is another one of his encounters. He had previously met with his disciples in Jerusalem. And, the, and we talked about this on Easter Sunday where they shut the door. They were afraid of the religious leaders. And at the end of that dinner, Jesus said to his disciples, now go wait for me in Galilee. Go wait for me in Galilee. So the disciples made their way to Galilee, and that's where we pick up in the text. But when we pick up in the text, we, we see something that's kind of different. Um, they had been waiting for we don't know how much time, but I'd venture that it had gone into weeks. I'd venture that it had started getting long, and Jesus had not yet appeared to his disciples. So here's what happens. Peter decides to go fishing. Peter's like, I don't know how all this is working out. 
Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him and before he followed Jesus for three and a half years. And here Peter's like, you know, I'm starting to lack confidence in God. I, I'm starting to lack confidence in Jesus. I've not seen him for weeks. He said to wait here. I'm here and nothing's happened. And so the Bible records that he gets up that morning and he decides to go fishing. And he asks some of the disciples, hey, who wants to go fishing with me? And he grabs about seven of them and they go fishing. Now, on the surface, it might seem like, okay, what's the big deal about that? No harm, no foul. He just wants to go fishing. But many scholars believe that part of the reason Peter is going fishing is because Peter's starting to lose confidence in Jesus. He, he's starting to lose confidence in his call. He's starting to lose confidence in his assignment. Now, some think, no, 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 you're kind of making a big deal about that. But, but I, I really take that bend, and I'm of the prerogative that I do believe that Peter was losing his confidence. Because later, if you just read the next passage of Scripture, and just because I love you so much, I don't want to make you stand while I read 30 verses. Uh, I didn't read it, but here's what happens next. Jesus asks Peter, hey, do you love me? Well, yeah, yeah, you know I love you, Jesus. He's like, okay, cool. But do you love me? And he does this three times. It kind of feels like an awkward encounter. But, but this is why I believe that Peter was losing confidence in Jesus. I, I don't think that Jesus asked him the same question multiple times because he wasn't sure. I think what he was trying to do was get Peter to level up. He's like, Peter, do, do, do you really love me, Peter? Because I believe Peter was struggling in this moment. I believe that Peter was lacking confidence in this moment. So Jesus keeps bringing Peter back to this place where he's having to tell him, yes, I love you, Jesus. I absolutely love you. But here's some beautiful things that we find here in this passage of scripture that I want to preach to you on, on how we get our confidence back. Y'all ready to go? That's the whole context. Now let's go. Here's the first thing that I want you to write down. Our confidence is in Christ. Okay. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, Write it down anyway, all right? Our confidence is in Christ. Here's the deal. When we talk about your confidence, you first have to get your object of your confidence in the right space and in the right place. And if you are going to be confident, your confidence first has to come from your confidence in Christ. Because between you and him, one of you is wavering. Say that one more time. Between you and him, one of you wavers. Between you and him, one of you gets emotional. Between you and him, one of you can have a really bad day and react according to that bad day. And so if we are going to get our confidence back, we got to put our confidence where it first belongs, and we have to be confident in Christ. How many of you confident in Christ in the tent this morning? How many of you know that my confidence is in him? My confidence is not in my feelings because my feelings are fleeting. My confidence is not in my emotions because I get emotional. My confidence is not in my circumstances or my situation because all of that is volatile. So the beginning of getting your confidence back or the beginning of finding your confidence is knowing that you got to put your confidence first in Christ. Now, I know in the social media influencer blogger world that we live in, people are always trying to tell you, smile, girl, you got it. But it takes like a mature Christian to know, I don't have it. Like if I didn't have Jesus, I'd be a mess, like a hot mess. Like if it wasn't for God, I don't trust myself to make the right decisions. And I have the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I still don't know if I'm making the right decision. Sometimes I pray like, God, would you just show up like you did back in the day? Like just literally show up and tell me what to do. How many ever been there before where you're like, I don't know what to do. And you come to me, you're like, Pastor, what should I do? And I'm like, you need to pray about it. No, but I just want for you to tell me what to do. No, 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 I'm not God. You go pray. You go have a conversation with God. But that's what happens is oftentimes, like, you know, we, we try to trust in ourselves. But, but I, I realize, and the closer I get to God, the less I can trust in myself. 
I mean, like, the closer I've gotten to God, the more I've realized how much I need him. Some people think, oh, the closer you get to God, the less you're going to need him. No, that's foolishness. I think, like, the further the way from God you are, the more confident you are in yourself. But I have found just this dichotomy that the closer I get to God, the more I realize that I need him. And that I don't want to live without him. And I don't want to move if he doesn't tell me to move. And how I've got to be in my word. And how I've got to have a close relationship with him. It's not because I think I'm better than anyone else. It's because I know how much I need him. And because I know how much I need him, I just press in. And I lean in. And I get close to him. I am so confident in him. But I'm not that confident in myself, if I'm being honest with you. So, so we put our confidence in Christ. Why? Because I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, but I know who holds tomorrow. That's the confidence that we have in Christ. I don't know how I'm going to come out of this, but I do know as long as I'm in this, I'm not alone. He's walking with me in this and through this. I have a lot of doubt in my abilities, but I do not doubt the abilities of God. I mean, we were just singing about it just a minute ago. Like, I speak Jesus over every situation. Absolutely, because if I spoke my name, it carries no weight, it carries no authority, and it carries no power. But the minute I speak the name of the unchanging, omnipresent, unmutable God, it begins to bring all things unto alignment because his name has power and authority. Somebody clap their hands if you're tracking with me this morning. So my confidence is in God. And this is what I love about having my confidence in Christ. I don't have to overcome what he's already overcome. I'll say that one more time and let that sink in. I don't have to overcome what he's already overcome. When I know he's already overcome my situation, I don't have to overcome it. I just need to put my confidence and my faith and my trust in the one who's already overcome. And so we, we place our confidence in him here in the text. What I love here is we see this picture of the consistency of Christ piercing through the inconsistency of Peter. And I think about this for a second. On the day, because they hadn't seen Jesus since Jerusalem. On the day that Peter decides, maybe I ought to go back to fishing. That's the day Jesus shows up. I mean, talk about a bad day to go back to fishing. I mean, talk about a bad day. But, but I think there's a principle in there. That even in Peter's in, in his inconsistency, that's when the consistent Christ shows up. Right when Peter was getting ready to go back, right when Peter was getting ready to return from the place that God had first called him from, and he's like almost out there. He's out there fishing again, not doing a very good job, and that's when Jesus shows up. And here's what I want you to know. The consistency of Christ is greater than the inconsistency of me. Or you. You can wear it. I'm wearing it. But like, like the consistency of Christ is greater than the inconsistency of me. What I, what I love about that is my consistency. Hear me, Lighthouse Church. You need to get this, okay? My consistency doesn't draw, doesn't draw Jesus closer to me. Okay? My consistency doesn't draw him closer to me. That's, that's called religion. That, that's called per, a performance-based relationship. That the better I perform, the more faithful God will be. And that's not the God we serve. He's faithful in spite of me. He shows up because he loves me. He shows up because he's a good father. He shows up because he is faithful to me, even when I'm not faithful to him. So, so what he does is because he is consistent, he pierces through my inconsistency. And I don't have to be consistent to attract him near to me. He comes when I call. Because he, he, he's, he's actually already there. Me calling out is only putting me in greater awareness of the omnipresence of God. But he didn't just stop hanging around. 
He's here. He's near. And you need to know that he's near. And, and, and so he shows up in Peter's greatest inconsistent moment. That's when he shows up. What I love about this, and it's the great divide between religion and Christianity. Religion and Christianity. I, I know you, we classify Christian as a religion, but, but, but really, really, religion says you must do, and Christianity says it's already done. That, that's what we did. Isn't that just a miracle of Easter that we just celebrated two weeks ago? You, cr- cr- religion says you must do, and Christianity says there's nothing that you can do to earn the love of God. There's nothing that you can do to earn the forgiveness of God. There's nothing that you can do to make God come into your life. The only thing you can do is see what he's already done for you and receive that. You just receive the love of God. You receive the forgiveness of God. You receive the Holy Spirit, but you don't earn it. You don't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And, and, and so we have got to first get our confidence in him and make sure that we understand that because we are confident in him, we can understand our place in all of this. I'm inconsistent, but he's consistent. I'm, I'm, I'm unfaithful, but he's faithful. I make mistakes, but he's always there for me. And that's the God we serve. Clap your hands if you know that to be the God that we serve. So Jesus, we have this picture of Jesus' consistency piercing through Peter's inconsistency. And then they sit down and they have a meal together. That's why I love Jesus so much. He liked to eat. <laughs> why are you a Christian? Because Jesus ate a lot. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's move on. Um, so so like, like they're having a meal and, and Jesus goes on to ask Peter, like, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah. And he asked him this three times, as I said just a minute ago. Now, so many people go so many different directions with this, and all of it's right. So, so some people say the reason he asked him, do you love me three times, was to cancel out the three denials that happened on the night that Jesus was arrested. So each declaration canceled out a denial. And that's good, and amen. Some people dive into the Greek, because they're getting real, real theological, <laughs> real heady stuff. Like, you know, twice he says filio, and once he says agape. And that's good. That's right, too. But can I just get to this place where I love how Jesus is getting Peter to just confess like, he's like, can you verbalize this for me, Peter? Like, I don't want you to just know that you love me here, but not say that you love me here. And there's something very powerful about a confession. Somebody say confession. confession. Uh, all throughout the Bible, we find the power of confession, the power of saying something, the power of opening up our mouth and actually declaring it. It's not just enough to think it. It's not just enough to, well, you know, God, you know, God, you already know that I love you. You got to say something. Could you imagine only, you know, your wife's like, do you love me? Oh, you already know the answer to that question. Why are you asking me that? No, at some point you got to say it, right? Like at some point it works for a marriage, it works for your relationship. And I believe, I believe that, that when you open up your mouth, you are making a confession, you are making a declaration, and this is something that God wants for you to do. And I think this is what God was trying to bring Peter to do. He's getting Peter to say, I love you. He's getting Peter to, to get to this place to one more time verbalize because Peter's dealing with doubt. Peter's dealing with inconsistency. Peter's thinking about quitting. He's got a lack of confidence. So Jesus said, I'm going to tell you how we're going to fix this confidence issue. You're going to start declaring with your mouth that you love me all over again. And I love this because if your confidence is in God, then you should say so. If you know that he's your healer, then you should say so. If you believe that better days are ahead of you, then you should say so. Not just think so, but say so. Why? Because the Bible says this, life and death is in the power of the not, not just here life and death is 
is in the power of the tongue. We need to get a renewed mind. Absolutely. But let's not stop there. And we also have to get our declarations right. We've got to get our confession in the right place as well. This is why I believe the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It doesn't say let the redeemed of the Lord think so, but it says let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There is a power in our confession, so we are going to open our mouths and begin to declare the goodness of the Lord. And here's what I believe happens. When you begin to open up your mouth and declare the goodness of the Lord, I believe that your faith is going to be built up inside of you. I believe that your thoughts are going to change and your thoughts are going to follow your words, not the other way around. No, no, no. Your thoughts are going to follow your words. Your outlook is going to change. You're going to start to hope again. You're going to start to believe again. You're going to start to dream again. Why? Because you're making a confession. You're making a declaration. And when you do that, faith is going to be built up on the inside of you. Clap your hands if you believe that. Faith. It follows my declaration. I remember that my wife and I, we were, um, last year, we were like really zoning in. Like we, we do this thing. We're like, What's our theme for the year? You know what I mean? Like my wife and I, we just believe in that. And then we, we, we make a declaration. We make a confession. Well, we said last year was going to be the year of bold moves. And guess what happened? We moved 50 miles from Chula Vista to Vista. Like we literally moved. And I believe so much of that was because we said really early on that we were going to make a bold move. And all of this started happening. God started to open up the doors. And we made a move to be closer to the church and everything that God was doing here. Why? Because we made a big and bold declaration. And we would say it over and over again. This is going to be a year of bold moves. That's the type of declaration that you have to have. Now, because I don't know anyone to just grab a soundbite and take me out of context, um, let me talk to you a bit about declarations because here's what doesn't happen. You can't declare that this is the year of the Rolls Royce and one shows up. <laughs> Pastor said, year of big moves, so I prayed for a year of a big car. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't just declare house on the ocean, house right on the ocean, right on the cliff, right there in La Jolla, God. Just do it, God. Do it, God. You're out there marching around La Jolla seven times, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, blowing a shofar, waving a flag. I mean, no, no. Like, like listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> if you're going to, you got to get your confessions in the right place. So listen to me. If your confidence is in Christ, then your confidence must also be in his word, right? Right, so, so if we're confident in Christ, then we have to be confident in his word. But get this now. Our confessions must be rooted in the word of God. Yeah. Ah, okay, let's bring it back, all right? Because I don't want y'all walking out of here blabbing and grabbing and naming and claiming all kinds of stuff that God don't want for you, all right? So I want you to get you to this place where, yes, we're going to build up our confidence by our declaration. But here's what our declaration is going to be. It's going to be it rooted in the word of God. So what are we going to do? Matthew 5, 15. We're going to declare, I am the light of the world. What are we going to say? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 4. I am greatly loved by God. Ephesians 2, 5. I am alive with Christ. Ephesians 2, 10. I am created in Christ to do good works. Are you tracking with me, Lighthouse Church? So our declarations, our confessions, what we declare and what we say, it's in line with his word. And when you do that, he is going to build up that confidence on the inside of you. I'm coming to a close now. He's going to build up that confidence on the inside of you. And you're going to get all the confidence back that you lost. And let me talk about that for just a second because a lot of people lost hope and they lost confidence and they gave up on dreams as a result of the pandemic. And listen, I get it. Like, like I remember like my wife and I, we had goals and plans and it was like oh we got to pivot you know what i mean it's like that episode of friends where they're trying to get the couch up the stairs (laughs) 
I, I love I love when I can just make a reference and I exactly know my audience. You know what I mean? Just, love it. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Just go watch it. We were just pivoting right and left, like pivot, pivot, pivot. Yeah, you get the visual now. So like, and and and, he, and he, here's what I find here in the text. I was reading. Um, I, I finished Leviticus. I'm in the book of Numbers. Praise God, somebody. I survived Leviticus in my Bible reading plan. If you can make it through Leviticus, you anointed, okay? I don't care what your credit score is, you're anointed. So, um, you know, I made my way over to Numbers, and, and I love this passage of Scripture in Numbers where it talks about how, how Moses sent 12 spies, one from every tribe, into the land of Canaan, which was the promised land that he was giving them. And um, of those 12, only two came back with a good report, Caleb and Joshua. I've never met a Joshua I did not like. And so, um, so Caleb and Joshua, you'll get it tomorrow. Caleb and Joshua come back with a good report and, and, and they say, hey, you know, they brought back fruit. They're like, look at these apples. They're great. Like, how do you like them apples? You know what I mean? It's like grapes and all that. Like, look at all this stuff. It's like, the, the, the land is beautiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. We got to go now. And then there were 10 that were like, nah, there's giants in the land. They said the sons of Anak are there, which mean giants, literal giants. Like, yo, we're really small compared to these people, and they have walled cities, and I mean, we're, we're, we're like slaves. We just came out of slavery. They're, they're fighters. We're slaves. Big difference, right? Like, like this, is what, this is what they do. This is what we do. We're slaves, all right? We build pyramids. We don't know how to fight, and so they, they sowed all this discord, and the Bible records this, that um, because of the lack of faith, an entire generation died in the wilderness and was not allowed to see the promised land, so every one of those 12 spies um, only two lived, Caleb and Joshua, to make it into the promised land. The rest of those spies, that they died, and, and their family died. And it's this tragic story about, you know, losing confidence in God. And that's what they did. They lost confidence in God. And it's insane to me. It's crazy to me because they had just seen God send ten plagues into Egypt. Right? Like, did, I mean, did you forget? They had just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. So part of me is like, how did you lose your confidence so quickly? But we're humans, and it happens. We lose our confidence quickly. It doesn't take much for us to lose our confidence. And yet they lost confidence in God. And so God said, okay, this whole generation is not going to go into the promised land. So let's fast forward now. Forty years pass. Everybody say 40 years. 40 years. And uh, now Joshua has led the army of Israel. Now they're an army. They, they, they went into the wilderness slaves. They came out an army. And, and so when they, they went into the promised land, they began to conquer, take territory. And, and, and when, when they had finished warring, then Joshua said, okay, we're done warring. Now I'm going to give out land assignments. He's saying, this tribe, you go over here. This tribe, you go over here. This tribe, you go over here. He's divvying up the land. And then the Bible says that Caleb, 85, catch this now. 85-year-old Caleb walks up to him. He's like, hey, Joshua. This is the way I read my Bible, okay? It's like, hey, Joshua, I saw you giving out land. Yeah, 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 giving out land. This is what God wants us to do. Hey, um, I noticed that hill up there, you know, the one with the view to the Red Sea. We can kind of look over all of this stuff out here. Uh-huh. That one up there, I, I want that hill. And Joshua's looking at him like, of course you do, you bougie old man. That's got the best view in all of the land. And, and, and then Joshua tells him, but, but here's the deal, Caleb. Um, we've not driven out the enemies from that hill yet. Like, there's still enemies that, that we got to fight. We just, you know, we ain't dealing with them at the moment. And Caleb's like, yeah, so here's what I was thinking. I was thinking if you just let me and my family go up there, we'll actually take care of all of them ourselves. 
I love the spirit of Caleb. 85 years old, no chill. Like, like he was savage. He's like, you know what? I'll take care of those enemies for you. I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? But he's 85. And he's got like, there's been, he's got, he's not lost a step. And Joshua's like, okay, go for it. You, you, you want to take the land? Go on ahead and take the land. So out goes Caleb and his kids. And what do they do? They take the land. They, they take the land for themselves. And, and here's where I want to close with this. I believe that some of you gave up on dreams and hopes because of the pandemic. I believe some of you have abandoned things that God has called you to do because of the pandemic. And I've come to tell you here today that God wants you not just to get your confidence back, but he wants you to start dreaming again. He wants you to start hoping again. He wants you to keep reaching. He wants you to get that same spirit that Caleb has that says, I'll take that hill. I know I'm old and I know it doesn't look promising, but I'm willing to go. As long as God goes with me, there is no enemy that can stop me. And I'm looking at a church right now that I'm wondering if you would get that same sort of anointed tenacity that says, I don't care what devil stands in between me and my dream. If I made it through the pandemic, I can make it through this devil and I can get to where my dream is and I can get my confidence back. I can get my hope back. I can start to dream again. Lighthouse, it's time to start dreaming again. You know what the resurrection and power of God does for us? It gives us the confident assurance that he is with us. Because he rose from the grave, I can be confident and secure in my identity and I can be confident and secure in what he has called me to do. Right there where you're at, let me pray for you. Would you just lean in and I just want really the Holy Spirit to just do a work right now. I've said all that I can say, but I'm praying right now for the Holy Spirit just to begin to deposit something on the inside of every single one of you. I'm praying for dreams to be restored. I'm praying for goals to be restored. I'm praying for hopes to come back again. The things that were lost are coming back to you one more time if you would just believe. I get it. You're not confident in your ability, but can I get you to start being confident in God's ability? Can I get you to start being confident in the faithfulness of God? Can I get you to start being confident in the presence of God? I understand that you've gone through a lot and you came out of this pandemic and not everything, you didn't come out with everything that you had before the pandemic, but you still got God, you still got confidence in him, and he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of his return. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person right now. Would you give them their dreams back? Would you give them their hope back? Would you give them their confidence back? I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would believe for their family again. I pray that they would believe for their spouse again. I pray that they would believe on that goal again. That they would believe for that hope again. Hope is not lost. Confidence is not lost when we have you. Would you restore it to them? Would you bring it back into this house? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, let's all stand to our feet. We're going to go into a time of worship right now. But I really hope right now that as we enter into this time of worship, that you would really lean in. What is the thing that God is calling you back to? What's that dream that God is not done with? What's that desire that God's placed in your heart that's it, it's burning on the inside of you? Let's activate that here right now. Let's raise our hands together. Come on, let's just believe right now. Let's worship with that assurance right now. Let's worship together believing that God is not done. Come on, let's all dream together, Lighthouse. Come on, let's believe together, Lighthouse. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.